one. There it is. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody. Beautiful Tuesday afternoon. We are going to jump into art. We're going to talk all about art, expressive art, art of resiliency, art of tantra, all kinds of different things, uh, but all revolving around art. So I love it. We got painting back here, uh, paint splatters. So here we go. Let's just dive in. We're going to have some fun. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to this beautiful day. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Three opportunities every week for you to ask questions. So if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Poly A and let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. Got four spots left for the year. None of us are perfect. And we are here to share our imperfect stories because the more short stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up to share your imperfect story. Only four spots left for the year. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. And now to introduce today's awesome guest. From the very first time that she took a crayon into her hand as a wee child, today's guest has known that art was her calling. Having grown up in a military family, our guest attended more than seven different schools across the country and found that while the cultural nuances and slang might vary from one place to another, she could always create connection with others through her art and poetry. Our guest continues to draw on her artistic passion and uses it to serve others. In one turn, providing arts education and professional development through in-school community programs right here in San Diego, and in the next, helping people through work through trauma and allow for healing and growth through expressive art therapy. Today, we'll get to learn how art can help us better cope with all of the curves that life throws at us and how to better connect with our bodies and our imaginations and cultivate creativity in healing. Joining us today from right here in sunny San Diego, someone who I'm proud to call a friend, welcome to the show, Tara Gravis White. Whoops, I think you might have missed the clip there, but that's okay. Tara, hi. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us having me on. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. Thank you for for making the time. So Tara, uh I know you a little bit. We've met at a few uh events. We've we've hung out some. Uh but tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh you are an artist basically from birth and you use art in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different I don't know modalities uh in therapy in your professional career uh as as uh, a director of an art as a nonprofit, um and in tantra all these different things can you tell me about kind of all of the different ways that you use that art just fills your life sure thanks James um well I'm a visual artist I've been a visual artist since 
as long as I can remember personally, how I used to introduce myself when I moved around in schools. Uh, my primary medium is in caustic work and mixed media, and I also do quite a bit of photography. So since for me, art has been a healing modality and a way that connects the different timelines or channels in my life, it was a natural draw for me to go back and get my master's degree in expressive arts therapy. I went mm -hmm. right here in San Diego at the Expressive Arts Institute. And um, the other things that I do are, I do a lot of volunteer work in the community. So I did use to run a very large organization here in San Diego called Arts for Learning San Diego. Uh, now I'm volunteering at Vanguard Culture, which provides community programming around the city and online now during the pandemic, which has been really important for people um, during the time when we were all home. And currently, one of the things I'm doing is I'm working for the Californians for the Arts, and I'm helping the state of California give out grant money to artists and arts organizations throughout the state of California to get our arts organizations and our artists back on their feet to make sure that we have the support of our artists, our art communities. Nice. This is all uh, like a recovery effort from, I, I know artists must have been hit hard. Uh, I'm just curious, how did how did the, the, the pandemic affect you and the work that you've been doing? Well, it just it just so happens to turn out that I made the personal choice to leave my position at um, the large organization Arts for Learning uh, in March of 2020, unrelated to the pandemic, and uh, take a sabbatical. So what happened for me is once I saw what was happening, I began volunteering and holding community space. So I did two tours with the One World Tour Festival where I held workshops using expressive arts therapy as a tool to talk about how we're feeling and what's going on in the world. So to talk about um, grief, talk about compassion, to talk about uh, the concepts of boundaries, of consent, things that we're familiar with in our communities. Um, because what expressive arts therapy does, and the reason that I like it, is it's a way for us to express how we're feeling without words. And we use, it's multimodal. So I use music, theater, visual arts, dance, and poetry, depending on what's best for the issue at hand. <gasps> Impressive. Um, tell me about some of those uh some of those things that you do through expressive art you say you use it as uh, a tool to create conversation to get people to talk uh but without using words so do you does it like do i have to have the same understanding of art as the person that is creating the art tell me a little bit about how that works yeah that's a great question thank you um so a lot of people get a little intimidated because they, they a, a common response I hear is, I can't draw a stick figure. Um, it's actually not about your skill. It has nothing to do with skill set. It has everything to do with being the moment, allowing yourself to experience whatever it is that you're feeling, and then allowing that to come out in the modality that we're using at the moment. So some simple examples would be, um, I worked for three years at Center for Community Solutions here in San Diego, which is the local um, rape crisis and domestic violence center. And I used to go and work with the adults and the children uh, 
it, both in group form and individually. And some examples might be uh, that we would work on being in our bodies and feeling our bodies. And one, one way I might do that is by having a array of images of different kinds of animals and then having them pick an animal and show me with their bodies how that animal might work. So you can tell from that that you don't have to have any art skill to do that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so I'm just like thinking about it. And the first animal that came to my mind is a bear. So <laughs> if I'm doing this and I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to imagine a bear and first I'm on all fours and I'm, you know, just walking through the forest and I hear something that, I don't know, rouses my suspicions or whatever. And so as a bear, I stand up and I'm, you know, on my hind legs and I'm, I'm ready to, I guess, attack whatever it is that's, that's uh, making my, my alarm bells go off. So if somebody were to do something like that, what, what is the message, I guess, that, that might be conveyed by something like that? Oh, that's a great question. So one of the things I want to point out between difference between art therapy and expressive art therapy Okay. If somebody who's an art therapist actually has like a psychology or psychiatry degree and they look at the artwork they create and they tell you what it means. And an expressive arts therapist, what happens is I believe that everyone is an artist and that they are the meaning maker of their own lives. So oh. when you become a bear and you stand up as a bear, my response would be, well, I, I think that was a bear. Is that right? And you would say yes or no. And then I would say, how did that feel in your body? Where did you feel the bear? And if you say, well, I felt alarmed or alerted, I would say, when you felt alarmed, can you point on your body to me where that felt, right? And then we might continue the conversation into when have you felt like that before in your life? You know, these kind of things. So the person that is the artist that is doing the expression, whether it's in music, theater, visual arts, dance, or poetry, they make the meaning. I don't make the meaning. And the reason for that is that as an example, red happens to be my favorite color. Well, red to me might mean fire and love, but maybe you hate red and red to you means blood or, you know, it can be mm -hmm. completely different. So that's the reason. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Um, I really like that, that differentiation there where what you said is that in art therapy, the therapist might be telling me what my art means. Whereas in expressive therapy, you're you're I'm I'm determining for myself what that means. Um, so I guess like my question there is how does that work? How do you use that in helping people to overcome whatever it issues whatever issues that they came to to you for? And in fact, what are some common things that people come to you for that they use expressive art therapy to overcome? So my specialty, you can have any specialty you like as an expressive arts therapist, just so we're clear. I have friends that um, are educators. I have friends that work with death and dying. I have friends that work with birth trauma. You name it, I, could, I can find you somebody that does it. What I work on is trauma, very specifically in trauma recovery. And my specialty is on trauma due to sexual violence and child abuse. Um, so a lot of times the people that come to see me maybe already tried traditional therapy or talk therapy. Um, and maybe there's something, maybe there's something else that's bubbling up that they don't address and they can't quite identify it. 
or it's not uncommon for somebody who's experienced um, these kind of traumas to not actually have a recall of the trauma at hand, uh, not have a memory of it. But there's feelings. We have feelings in our body and things that happen and we know something's going on and we need to, we're trying to work it out and figure it out. So an, I run a lot of groups and a common theme of my group might be on adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse or incest. And when the group mm-hmm. starts, I might have anywhere from 10 to 15 people. You know, we have to create a container where everyone feels safe. Then we, um, each, each time we meet, we always have a framework. So we start the session with a welcoming, a check-in, how's everybody doing? Then we go into the theme of the day. Uh, maybe the theme is self-love, as an example. We talk about that theme. What does it mean? What does it mean to each of us individually? How's that going? Then I introduce the materials we're going to work with that day, depending on the genre we're going to be working with. We then dive into doing the art activity as individuals. And then we come back and we um, have a share out, depending on what the practice is. If it was a visual piece, we might actually have a gallery walk where we put the pieces up and we we view them all. Um, We talk about what we see. Not what we project or interpret, but what we actually see. So I see blue clouds as an example. And then Mm -hmm. we have a final closing circle, and then we're done for the day. So in this case, a lot of times when we're talking about something like childhood sexual abuse or incest, it's a very shame-filled topic. It happens to be one of the topics that we still don't talk about in public or community formats at large very regularly. People aren't comfortable talking about it. So creating a container where you can sit across from another a stranger, another individual that you haven't met before, and know that you're not alone mm-hmm. and that and that this person can have empathy and some understanding of what you've gone through can be healing in and of itself. And then when we start layer by layer unraveling the components of that and what how has that impacted your life and where do you want to be in your life and what changes do you want to see? And um, then, you know, those people might go into individual um, sessions with me. And that's when we start getting into that, those kind of things. Where, what is your individual desire? Where do you want to go individually? How can I assist you in reaching those goals? I see. So it sounds to me like a lot of the times the work starts off in a group setting. Um, it, it sounds like maybe the, the group setting kind of creates the safe space uh, for for that person, like you said, to not feel alone, uh, to begin their their expression through art, and then once they have, uh, I don't know, found the camaraderie. I don't know if that's the right word, but but um, but found that they're not alone. Found found the the connection with others, and found that connection with you. That that's when you move into one on one work. That gets deeper do i have that more or less right that could be one way the other way is i happen to know quite a few um therapists in town and uh emergency service providers is a good way to put it uh mm-hmm. and so sometimes i get referrals that way and those people come right in as as individual clients it just depends on where you are in your healing journey and how i can be of the best support to you got it got it so if somebody has tried uh like you said, traditional talk therapy, at what point is it usually uh, the the therapist that will say, you know, this isn't working, you should do something else? Or uh, at what point, if I was doing talk therapy, would I say, you know what, maybe I should try 
art, uh, some something different. Maybe I should try something like expressive art. And and how do I know that that's mm -hmm. what I should try? Yeah, um, it's not an either or. I mean, sometimes somebody has gone through traditional therapy, you know, 20 years ago and gotten a bunch of great tools and and done uh, had a great life. And then 20 years later, things might come up. You know, we, we live a life, things happen. Mm -hmm. um, as a specific example for people who are child abuse survivors, it's not uncommon that when their perpetrator passes away that things begin coming up again. Uh -huh. um, so that's one way that can happen. Uh, but the other thing that can happen is maybe you're going to do both congruently and I'm going to be in communication with your talk therapist. And this mm -hmm. is just another modality. It's the same thing as, um, okay, I go to yoga and I also um, go to the gym. Like it's not either okay. or, right? Um, yeah, it can be both. It can be, it, you know, it can be one or the other. It can be whatever works best for you. It's we're all individuals and we, we have the ability and the right to know what's serving us best. Got it. Okay. So it might not be a choice that I have to make. Maybe I, maybe I can, I can do both. Um, I guess maybe a, a better question might be how would I, cause I don't consider myself an artistic person, right? I'm one of those people that can't draw a stick figure to save my life. Like you were saying. So <laughs> How would someone like me who doesn't feel very artistic, what mm -hmm. what would uh, motivate me to look towards expressive arts mm -hmm. therapy? Yeah, as a means of support. Yeah, I think that most people I know have have some relationship with music, right? Mm -hmm. We most of us have heard music. Some of us have relationships with theater and seeing um, theatrical pieces or movies. I mean, we all watch movies or television. Those are all artistic forms. Um, some of us have uh, relationships with our bodies. Maybe we like to go dancing a lot, you know, those kind of things or movement. Um, and so it's important to remember that expressive art therapy is not just visual art. It's all of those things, right? Um, okay, so maybe I would, I would try uh theater for me uh uh muda and i went to a to a play the other day uh musical and it was really really moving especially at the end it took me a little bit to to recover uh from mm. that so maybe something like that i would be able to connect and say yeah th this might work for me um in talking about the art of resilience because that's one of our one of the the key words that we've been um that that, that was part of our topic here when I think of resilience, I think of, okay, there's stuff that's like constantly going on in life. You know, maybe there's, you, you alluded to um, sexual abuse, sexual violence in my past. And of course we, we've, if hopefully, you know, we've managed to mostly make life normal after that. Um, but now, you know, as we go through life, there are other obstacles there are other potentially triggering events there are you know all of these different things so how does the work that you do help someone to become more resilient specifically yeah yeah well the art creating in and of itself and you probably know this james because you're a creative person with your um with your podcast the art of creating in itself requires you to try things oftentimes you don't you don't do it right the first time Sometimes mm -hmm. you fail and then you have to try something new and you have to try again. 
So a simple example would be if, as a visual artist, if I'm uh, creating a painting and something just doesn't seem right, well, then I have to go back and try something else. I have to go back and try something else. The same thing is true if I'm writing poetry and creating a stanza in a poem, mm -hmm. you know, line. I mean, something just doesn't fit right. So I'm going to try on a different one. I'm going to try on a different one. That's what we do in the creative process is we try things on. We try something new. That in and of itself creates resiliency. And right now, as we're all still kind of uh, trying to figure out this whole pandemic situation and what's right and what's wrong and what should we do and what shouldn't we do, that brings a lot of feelings up for a lot of people. A lot mm -hmm. of people have felt very isolated. A lot of people have had a lot of fear. There's been a lot, an enormous amount of grief in the world in the last yep. year and a half. Um, and being able to work through and process those feelings and not be in a consistent fight or flight state, which some of us have been in, is mm -hmm. hugely important in building our resiliency as we move forward. Because, you know, that's the goal. We're all going to move forward. We might have some questions. We might not be sure, but we are going to move forward. That's the goal. For sure. Would you have any, like, starting points or any tips for like just a, a broad general audience if you were talking to me and you were like you know uh maybe you should try you know xyz exercise to kind of get in tune with your body or get in tune with your creativity or get in tune and just kind of a, a general for mm -hmm. like the the whole public for the audience somebody something that that people can try to kind of start to work through a lot of these uh, things that we're all going through right now. Yeah, I mean, dancing is fantastic. So put on music, you know, and if you if you want to process an array of emotions, then what you can do is you can have a little playlist that is like five minutes of angry music, right? And then mm -hmm, five mm -hmm. minutes of sad music and then five minutes of joyful music. And then you can just move your body the way it wants to move according to the music you're listening to. And hopefully the reason I put the joyful music at the end is that by the end, you will have moved something. You, have, you will have shifted your your feelings for the day, for the moment nice. anyway. Um, the same thing is for you can do um, scribbling as a form of meditation. Get yourself a small little journal. I've got about 50 of them laying around here. And, um, and you can do a five minute scribbling exercise every day. Just scribble. don't even worry about what you're making. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about anything about that. Just scribble. Let yourself scribble. It's a way to get th things out. So those are things that people can do that maybe are entering it with a little bit of uh, hesitancy around being in an artistic process. Those are two things that are super simple and anyone of any age can do. You can dance in your chair, okay? I do all the time. That's like <laughs> my, my favorite way of dancing. Okay, I have a very specific one and uh, this one is is coming from a listener question. Uh, let's say that you have somebody that you're working with who is recovering from some type of infidelity in their relationship. I'm just going to throw that out there and see if you can run with it. How is it that you work with somebody who maybe is working, is working through overcoming infidelity or broken trust, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, uh, assume that you have both members of this couple or the, you know, yeah, both members here. And how do you help them work through these things? So what we might start doing, first of all, there's going to be a lot of conversation and there's going to be a lot of conversation about what each person desires. And um, 
what each person would need to rebuild trust. You got to start from there, mm -hmm. right? Um, and one of the things that I would say is, um, it's my personal opinion that trust starts from within. And um, so I feel like that part of the work is going to be couples work. Maybe we're going to do some paintings together. Maybe we're going to create a dance together, you know, mm -hmm. whatever arises for that couple. And part of the work is probably going to be individual work because um, the person who is struggling with the broken trust is going to have to make a choice for themselves. Can they trust themselves and what they want in the context of this relationship? And they're going to have to decide that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I like the idea of, uh, of creating a dance together. It's like, uh, I don't know, or, or even just learning a dance together, learning to do mm -hmm. the tango, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind, learning to swing dance together, something that I would like to do um, or whatever. So so doing this, it starts to kind of reconnect, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of, of trauma, right? You, you mentioned the partner who um, who is struggling with with overcoming the trust issues. What about the other partner, the one who broke the trust? What kind of work well, are you they, doing with them? Yeah, they have to identify why, you know, why did this happen? Um, because before we move forward in reestablishing the trust as a partnership, we want to make sure that each individual is actually clear about why and do they actually choose to move forward in the partnership? I think that's the number one thing because there's mm -hmm. no point in trying to rebuild and reestablish trust if either partner is not fully in right right so first thing is decide whether or not you both actually want to continue this assuming that you both do then you can start to to do some of this other work and right yeah yeah and i might work with the, the person of the time who is, it works uh, in this case, every time i'm talking about uh whether you know why can we can we can we work on that can we just sit with why can we sit with was there something lacking is there something we're needing is you know what is it what, 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 so that they can be honest and trusting in themselves too right yep for sure for sure Ah, oh, Tara, this is a awesome conversation. I want to ask you before we uh start to to close out here is there anything that I missed is there anything that you I had asked you anything that you that jumps out of you, uh, jumps out at you like that during the conversation that you were like oh this would be a cool thing to talk about uh, that I just neglected to ask. Yeah, there's a couple little things. Um, one is I just cannot I cannot emphasize enough the value and the importance of the arts and artists in our world and in our communities to help us be thriving humans. It's the art and the artist reflect who we are. I mean, that's they and I. I believe so strongly and so wholeheartedly in that. So I would. I just really want to emphasize that. The other thing is that I have belief that we are all creative beings. And you know, in your case, you're creative doing your podcasting. If somebody is creative by being a nurse, and that's still creative. You're still creating. Mm -hmm. If you're if you cook, you're creative. We're all creative beings. So being able to use that creativity to our benefit and our health is so important. Um, here in San Diego, we have a lot of arts available and a lot of resources. You can find a lot of them 
uh, just online, going to going to different events, facilities like you mentioned that you went to a theatrical event and it really touched you. That's so important. Uh, we also have here in San Diego the Expressive Arts Institute, if anybody is interested in learning more about expressive art. And then um, you've put on there, you can reach me on Facebook or on Instagram, The Art of Resilience. And then I'm also a visual, I, as I mentioned, I'm also a visual artist. And that's my page on The Art of Contra if anybody wants to see me there in my work. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That would have definitely been uh, the last question. Uh, the other, but uh, the other thing is, as you're talking about the arts, the value of arts and and artists uh, in our communities, uh, I want to ask you again if you could talk about the work that you're doing uh, to help people get the grants and get uh, you know sure. some of the funding that they need. Uh, where can people find out more about uh, all of that stuff that you've got going on and the ways that you support arts and artists? Yeah, that's through California for the Arts. You can actually just look them up right online and then there's a grant relief page. Um, I am holding regular webinars. I'll have one tomorrow to teach any artist. So if you're an independent contractor as an artist, if you're a sole proprietor, if you own a gallery, if you are a dancer that didn't get to work all during 220, any of these kind of things, you are eligible for these grants. So I really encourage you to go online. If you have a nonprofit that's arts related, anything like that, um, it's actually for any business, but because I work for California's for the arts, I'm focused on the arts and artists. Got it. Uh, would this work for somebody who, uh, the, the, the one guy that I'm thinking of, of uh, he's a, a DJ. Yep. Is that, that counts? Yes. Yeah. As long as you're, yeah. uh, as long as you either have a business or filed your 2019 taxes as an independent, as a um, sole proprietor or independent contractor, it works. Nice, nice, perfect. So all of those uh, musicians out there that uh, you know your whole income was based on uh, on events and hosting events and all that stuff got shut down during the pandemic. Uh, reach out to Tara again. That is. The at the art of tantra at the art underscore or the art of underscore resilience on Instagram. Yep, thank you. Perfect, and thank you, Tara, so much for hanging out with me today. It's really been a pleasure and honor. So much fun to uh, get to learn from you a little bit more about what expressive art is compared to art therapy. I like it. Yeah, like thank you difference. for having me. Thanks for your of work course. you're doing. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. Thank you, as always. Until next time, tomorrow, last day of the week. Have a nice day! Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing